talking all things theatre and events. Kind of have to think really quickly about what our ethos is going to be and what our aims and goals of it was to be. We created all of the creative captions. We, we put them all into the programme. There's so many people so out there who make such an effort to give back to young people trying to start what they're doing. And it's absolutely fantastic. The Stage Is Yours podcast. Hello and welcome to The Stage Is Yours podcast with me, your host, Carl Graham, joined as always by producer Dan, here to talk all things theatre and events. Today we're joined by Freddie Marlowe and Erin Thompson and we talk all things theatre, from what it's like to work in the industry to how we got into it and an awful lot more as well. Let's not waste any more time. Erin Thompson and Freddie Marlowe, the stage is yours. Why? Join us. We've got Freddie Marlowe and Erin Thompson. How are we both? Very good, thank you. Nice to be here. Okay. Yeah, I'm good too. Yeah. Erin's nice to <laughs> back. First repeating guest. Yeah. Uh, this time talking all things production and what we do with our normal Saturday nights, which is stand on the back of a truck for lots of hours. Um, so let's talk about what uh, we'll do for a living. So we're all in the production side of things. Uh, so Freddie, how about you, mate? What let's little overview about you and what you get up to on shows. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm head of lighting. Uh, I was on Mamma Mia before uh, obviously COVID hit. Um, so yeah, my job basically uh, is to make sure that the design of, of whatever show I'm on uh, looks the same in every venue. Um, and as we move from venue to venue, um, obviously that has different challenges. You know, you don't always have exactly the same angles to work with lighting wise. Um, but in general, yeah, it's just to make sure the production looks exactly as it should do. If it was a West End show, it looks exactly the same as it does in the West End. Um, and basically just make sure that the designers um, kind of well, design looks exactly as it should do. Um, and with that, it means that I also operate during the show. So we uh, are on the lighting desk or we have a backstage plot as well. Um, so yeah, just in general, just uh, maintaining the show as well, maintaining all the kit as well, which is obviously a massive part of the job. Um, most shows I've done, I have about two trucks, two full trucks worth of lighting kit on the show. So it's kind of just keeping everything in check. Grand. And Erin, uh, technical swing. Uh, this is a challenge we both have had over the last few months of actually explaining what a technical swing is. Yes. So technical swing, I mean, it varies from show to show. It's totally show dependent on what that show requires um, and which departments require a swing. So, for example, on when we were on Jersey Boys, I that's the first show I was a swing on. And I'm scared that I'm going to be repeating myself from the last one, but we'll, we'll go with it's it. That's fine, just go with it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so on Jersey Boys, I covered, gosh, um, two the two ASM plots, the stage manager plot, the automation, the LX and sound number three plots, which were like, um, so sound, the sound number two plot on Jersey Boys was like changing mics, and there was lots of guitars and things like that involved. So doing all that kind of thing, switching them out. And then the LX plot was like setting, what was it, Freddie? Setting the floodlights at the back? <laughs> yeah. Not floodlights, what are they called? <laughs> Such a good technical swing right here. 
luckily it was Jersey Boys actually the stage plot uh, there's a stage next plot you covered but luckily that was actually a, um, quite a nice easy plot uh, with not too much to do yeah. but there was that, that one moment at the end of act one for Dawn where the boys go upstage and it's a fantastic lighting effect where it basically as the audience you, you feel that you're actually backstage in a concert looking out and you, you see the boys that kind of turn around and um, the silhouette type effect then yeah it's absolutely it's one of my favorite light effects actually in all theater it's brilliant but there was a, a very brief moment where on the stage lex plot you have about i would say 15 to 20 seconds to a curtain fly a, a, a fly piece flies in in front of you you have about 15 20 seconds to get on plug up uh yeah. to to um lighting buttons and then uh you have to get the head off stage very very quickly if, if you yeah. don't get off stage you that fly piece isn't going to stop for you. You've got to get off before you get revealed. And if you are yeah. there, you make a quick exit. And Luckily, it's very, very dark behind there. Always. And you had, to put, you had to put them on marks and things like that. But I I mean, I would say that the only time I messed it up was one time they were pointing a little bit too low or something like that. And Freddie gave me a note, which was... Um, <laughs> gladly took in the pub I gladly took it I said okay no problem I'll fix it for next time but no sorry off on a tangent but yes so some shows require lots and lots of different departments need the swing where you're spread pretty thin and you've got to learn loads of different plots which is what I really enjoy about the role because you get to do loads of different things every day um, and then other shows not so much so like when we were on Romeo and Juliet Cal um, I was a swing but mainly done the carpentry plot and just one other ASM plot. Some I did I do. I think I'd done the stage manager plot a couple of times, but apart from that, that was pretty much it. So it does, it varies from show to show. So, but the way I always try to explain it to people is that you are the jack of all trades, master of none. So I think you just master, and I think that you know most tech swings I've worked with actually end up weirdly being master of all of them. And well yeah, well thanks. <laughs> thanks, Fred. <laughs> I've been, oh no, I've only been your swing once actually. But yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> I'll take that. But no, I think that's the easiest way to explain it to people is that you kind of, you learn everything to the show standard that you need to, that the um, person whose role that is does it to. And then you just switch about your, your kind of schedule during the week as you jump from department to department and just fit in where, you, where you're needed kind of thing. So yeah, that's me as a technical swing. And Cal, sometimes. And me, sometimes. Well, I mean, we were quite lucky in the last one. Well, I say I was a technical swing on red shoes, but I kind of covered between sound and lighting, so it was kind of... Yeah, everyone... well, you were sound and LX swing, and I was everything else. Well, well you've done a wee bit of auto as well, actually. Yeah. Well, the plan was to do more auto, but then... Yeah it's all stopped well, yeah. and ended and so you know like literally the week I was supposed to learn it all and that was that so yeah it's it's one of those it's I'd say not every show obviously has two but I think it kind of mm -hmm. quite nice to have that and I think so I've never actually worked on a show that has had two um so in general would when you have two do you is it generally a split of kind of lighting and sound as one and then stage management more as the other is that the kind of norm I don't know obviously you've had more experience with yeah, that's that's how we done it. We had Cal on Sound and LX, and he swung between them. And then on a loadout as well. Gosh, the loadouts were funny though. We just kind of fit in where we had to, in a sense. Yeah, the loadout yeah. was very much kind of where we felt we fitted in it, as yeah. where best benefited everyone really. So it was kind of 
of where exactly. it happened to be and we kind of did figure out a way that it worked um yeah so um, yeah, i would do yeah like the stage management plots automation and the carpentry and the flies um so i was maybe like stage swing as a whole i suppose if you want to look at it as a whole i was like stage swing and cal was like lx and sound lx and sound most of the time we were out on the when we weren't in london and we didn't have an orchestra it was predominantly lx and then with yeah sound cover to be honest from the most part um and then i mean i spent half my life with scrollers so well they're horrible yeah you did constantly <laughs> re-scrolling them or them or sorting them all the time <laughs> where it was one place where Plymouth, I think, no Plymouth when we opened in Plymouth Plymouth it was and Josh was that in LX Den Lampy World yeah what's it called Dimmer World oh Dimmer my world. god have we not been in a theatre for guys I couldn't remember that no yeah Plymouth Tech Week every time we got to a little break and we Prodies came into stuff so like right, that. Scrollers broke that and that, and then me and Josh would sit waiting for something to do, but also just re-scrolling scrollers and yeah, that was absolute nightmare for hours on end. <laughs> I've, hours I've been very end. very lucky in my career to only have to use scrollers once on my first ever show. Since then, every show I've had has has, has made a move to LEDs, which uh, yes, absolute <laughs> uh, we, we, It would have been the dream. Well, the old school lighting it. <laughs> yeah i mean the first time shoes went round it was all what source for revs and tw1s so an encore yeah. a mac encore wasn't a thing at that point so i dread to think what actually i've just told a i've just told a massive light we've got revs of scrollers on the <laughs> 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 great number one friends <laughs> it's been too long i mean i think maybe the reason i forgot is because actually they've managed to behave themselves uh, oh, that's a rare thing it was i think i've probably had one broken and uh or one or two. I mean, my number two is going to listen to this and go, yeah, yeah, sure, Freddie, yeah, as if you remember that. Yeah, one or two, me. <laughs> you only fixed one or two. <laughs> An hour is fixing scrollers for me, uh, and I've just not even noticed. So I'm That's sorry. That's delegation I'm, right I'm, there. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have used scrollers a lot more than I thought. But yeah, I think, there's, I, think I had problems with, on my first ever job. I had problems with scrollers. I think that's why I remember them in such a bad light. But uh, uh, They're just temperamental so much so, and... Yeah, still PTSD of the noise of turning everything on of just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Shh. And then Erin just being like, oh, and then automation were like, we can't, because we'd have them breaking all the time. So they'd just sit twitching during auto rig checks. And they were like, no, you can't turn any of them on until we're done. <laughs> we were like, okay, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, because we couldn't hear. So obviously automation, <laughs> mainly relying on your, the, like the sound, basically. The sound? You're hearing? Yeah. Well, because it was so high up, wasn't it? It was what? It was, well, yeah, it was it was really, really, it was in a grid above, like, the portals and things like that. So you're relying on listening out for problems because you can't particularly see everything unless it's really obvious. So you're listening out for issues as opposed to, um, like, being able to look for them. Whereas on Jersey Boys doing the auto checks, it was all pretty much visual, but you still had to listen as well, of course. And then with the scrollers happening, during rig checks we were just like uh is that a problem with the pros or uh is that a broken scroller can't yeah, quite tell it's just, it's just electrics again of course <laughs> ruining our lives <laughs> bloody lampies always always <laughs> in the way as well always in the way uh but i think these like i said we're talking about things here that people that we do on our jobs that go 
that people aren't aware of that we kind of obviously the amount of stuff that goes into making that show make sure it is the same every time that we're all what two maybe three hours at least before a show kind of rechecks checking everything's working checking it, it. and then making sure everything's working and little gremlins haven't gotten in overnight and yeah i think that's their one magic of the, one of the weirdest things when you said about the gremlins is it is so strange that the night before you have no problem you turn a lighting rig off it's absolutely fine and then five o'clock next day if it's or midday if it's a if it's a matinee day you come in and somehow something's just decided right obviously it's technology but it is strange how many problems you can have from literally yeah. nothing, and nothing's changed. I guess that's temperature in theatres obviously makes a massive issue to that. Um, obviously, they change and don't leave heating on stuff like that. Um, but it is very, very strange that things do manage to break so much. Obviously, yeah. uh, both our jobs, are to, or three of our jobs are to, are to fix them. Um, but even with automation, you think, well, hold on a second, this job, you know, this, this thing was moving yesterday and it was flying perfectly and today nothing's changed. It's not like someone's doing maintenance on it and that's why it's broken it's actually just broken by turning on yeah. it's in its own sequence it's managed to, to break itself i think it's a bit odd but it's how I'll, i think it's, the, the, the gremlins we had done jersey boys and they just certain certain venues just hated frankie valley by the seems of it <laughs> South End, you know dublin we had a couple of gremlins in dublin or was it cardiff maybe but actually, yeah, they just they just come out of nowhere, don't they? And they do, but I, weird. I mean, obviously, it is turning it off and on because uh, I mean, I did. Um, I was lucky enough to do Garsington Opera for a season there uh, last year. No, no, last year before. I've yeah. lost track of time now. Um, and uh, that was only last year. Is it last year? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but because uh, it's a kind of it's hot, it's, it's outdoor basically, um, or half outdoor kind of. It's, it's a lovely, lovely, beautiful setup. Um, but we chose to actually leave most of our rig on because it did get so cold overnight that actually it was definitely more detrimental to the lights and we'd have so many problems and weirdly by leaving it on I don't think we had actually any problems at all I think I I mean we had a lot to do because we had four different shows in on top of each other so we we're moving it around but in terms of lighting I think we had one issue where uh, I think uh, we had a bit of an issue with a panel tilt but other than that it was absolutely fine for the whole three months which is I'm, that's unheard of for me but i think actually it was just the fact that they weren't resetting every night um yeah. and because they were kept at a nice temperature because their fans were always running mm -hmm. so they were at <clears throat> their optimum kind of level it actually made a massive difference so it is very interesting to note to see that difference between mm -hmm. keeping them on and not keeping them on so that's a bit dull but <laughs> <laughs> i think it's but one of those things well, you can you can't do that in a touring venue though no, you wouldn't be allowed to in a touring venue yeah. um, for, for other reasons. Um, but I guess I suppose if you were able to do that in a touring venue, that might help. I mean, obviously, everything depends on the technology and how old it is as well. Yeah. If you've got a brand new shiny rig, which is from, I mean, I don't know what the lighting was like on um, Red Shoes or um, Romeo's. A bit of a mix. bit of a mix on Red Shoes, because like I said, we had some TW1s in there um, that were still in there, but some Mac Encores and stuff, and it was white light, so it's... It was kind of the scrollers are obviously just, I think White Light is probably one of the few companies the who still hold a stock of them. Realish. Oh, what about the bloody those big things? What are they call 
Oh, the, oh, you're talking about CO2 canisters. Ah, the big CO2, CO2 canisters that would literally mid-show, like out of nowhere, would just decide that they were going to... What what was it um, called? Well, I mean, it was a good thing that they were venting because... Yeah, venting, that's ...cause us a problem. However, it was just an absolute nightmare that when whenever... You go off in the middle of a show and it would be like... <laughs> it was fine whole... when we were in, in tech and we were running two of them. Uh-huh. But yeah, when we had to drop to one, it kind of didn't... Yeah, it was that. And then we didn't use it to, further on. It got changed that we used it less. So actually yeah. we had way more CO2 than we needed. So we weren't using it enough to keep the pressure balanced. And it, yeah. Was that a low smoke effect or was that uh, just a yeah. Chip- yeah. Yeah, low smoke. Low smoke. Um, and yeah, it got filled up on the basis that in the early part of during Plymouth and things like that, it got used a lot more. There was a whole sort of, yeah, I think like a 15 minute, like half of Red Shoes Ballet was low smoke and then for one night uh for some reason we fired a queue late and the creatives were like it looked much better coming on that bit later because it started chilling so much later it didn't come on at the right time so we were like oh great and the creatives really liked that moment so it all got changed to that and then we were like but it's been and now obviously then we encountered the issues that it was just kind of we were using it absolutely such a small amount for the yeah. What we were touring that we just yeah it took a little while to kind of balance it out i think we had a week big, where like, big big canisters but they yeah. also had yeah you know the big massive ones that are like yeah yeah we, the we, size we, of me probably yeah we use them but i mean oh. it's weird about them because you kind of i would love to know actually how much you could get like in an in it like it's quite difficult to work out how actual long you've got i kind of worked it out i could probably do a show and a half on mm. one canister but you just don't want to risk it because obviously if if, if the CO2 runs out it looks awful because there's smoke to us once. Not rising and there's a hell of a lot of smoke that will just cover how often, the- how often did theirs get filled up Cal? It was like every uh, five or six venues or something like that? I'd say it was at least every once we were out moving weekly I'd say it was every two to three weeks it was, was filled that? up like Gosh. that's how we were using it a little bit but we'd run it longer we figured out that if we ran it for a chunk in recheck it yeah. reduced the risk of it going off in show so we show. kind of but would let it during the show about three or four times maybe it happened like but all in one we had one week in saddlers where it was just yeah it was doing it all the time it i just remember for that. whatever reason decided it was and then all the cast all the cast were looking off like what the fuck is that and we were like I guess a big screaming silver baby in the corner here. It's fine. (laughs) A beautiful ballet piece, uh, I I guess, might be slightly ruined by it. It always picks the quietest moment as well. It had literally (laughs) beautiful solo happening on stage, all romantic and that. This big CO2 canister venting itself. It was a nightmare. Well, actually, it's definitely a better option than dry ice or... Um, or oh, it looked fantastic. Like, it, or, it looked absolutely beautiful. Or a glaciator. I mean, both of the, you know, CO2 oh. certainly at the moment, I, don't, I mean, I know there's new technologies out there. I know a few shows are using them. I kind of looked into it and to start to kind of see whether, you know, how good they actually look and kind of had a bit of an interest in it. But at the moment, it does seem that CO2 is still the best option. I mean, yeah. I guess when you guys had an orchestra, did you, because obviously the health because obviously CO2 um, sinks to the floor, did you have to, did you have full, alarms in there? Full alarm system in the pit, yeah, yeah, yeah so. that went up to Sammy. Um, I don't think we even 
got to a point. It certainly there was one point it went off, but that's because someone managed to pull the cable out of it um, in the pit when they were walking. Oh, in. Oh, yeah. That was the only time it went off. And Sam was like, "Cal, the CO2 alarm's going off." I'm like, "What? But the CO2's not been on." <laughs> so violin, violin is just trapped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to say, I, I've had quite a few alarms and it's really interesting going to different venues um, and then we do have alarms and the health and safety on it um, basically means it's, it's, it, obviously we've got to be absolutely safe for the orchestra and they are completely safe so you kind of have it at a very, if it goes above a certain level, obviously it's alarm one which means we have kind of 10-15 minutes to, 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 to get it back down to safe or we have to evacuate. But there's been times where me and the stage manager have had to run down to the pit and literally we've been like opening and closing doors. Laughing at it. Laughing at All the orchestra are just playing away and it's just like, they're having absolutely great fun. They're always oblivious. Us. It's fine. <laughs> they love it. They, they think it's like, it's, it seems like a bit of a game. They're like, oh, am I going to have to stand up at my chair in a minute to, to leave the pit? There's someone here. What's going on? Yeah, it was... I can't oh, see anything anymore. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> well, the, well, the irony is actually the amount of smoke there is nothing to do with the amount of CO2 there, of course. Because um, mm. obviously CO2 is invisible. So sometimes they're like, oh, it's very smoky in the pit today. And it's like, that's actually nothing to do with the CO2. So it's not, we're not trying to get the smoke out. We're trying to get the CO2 out, which yeah, you can't. Uh -huh. it's, in, it's in the air. No one knows it's there. Like, the only reason we know it's, well, we know it's going to be some CO2 there. The only reason we know, we know we need to worry about it is because we have a co2 alarm and yeah and it's really with venue to venue the difference it matters i mean i know i'll have a weird one as well which i, I find with that is that there'll be certain shows where we do it in the dress rehearsal because we we're lucky enough to we get a dress rehearsal before we we perform to the public in every venue we go to and in the dress rehearsal there's not one problem at all it's absolutely fine um and we run it obviously absolutely full out same levels of course you do a dress rehearsal and then you put suddenly put 1,500 people in a theatre and for some reason it just reacts completely differently. Mm -hmm. um, and there might be someone who's listening to this who's, then, who's going to turn around well, obviously. Because, well, obviously, Freddie. Obviously. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's also different that it's really weird that even on like a matinee day to, you know, at the matinee, it's fine. In the evening show, it's not. And it's like, are people breathing less in this theatre? Like, what? what yeah. Know, it, it maybe capacity, I'm sure. Though, well, no, there. wait, 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 wait. Let's figure this out right now. I'm about to go. Oh, this might say, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really clever. I'll have you all know. Thank you very Not much. Not denying that, mate. <laughs> no, but with 1,500 people in an auditorium, right? Yeah. And the pit, highly visible etc and their ears all the auditoriums there i know we all share air and whatever but you know what i mean like parameter speaking they're pretty much in the same parameter yeah so 1500 yeah. people breathing out co2 yeah that's why there's more yes yeah of course obviously i know that as a basic but then i kind of think it's really shocking of how oh, I, like I think that. i think it, it yeah it's really how much it, 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 it makes maybe a tiny bit of difference but it's really bizarre how much it has an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't you want to like, look up how much CO2 the average human breathes out in two and a half hours? Well, you say that, like, even down to, I've known some, you can have a gauze in at the start of your show, a cloth, and we had this similar to Roman Juliet with an air current and people breathing. 
that gauze can move and swing as it then flies because purely from people breathing and the temperature that the audience generate, you suddenly get this mad air current going between ah, stage and on that. Bloody string up, stringing to stop it, going wafting all the way upstage. The yeah, yeah. Li- Freddie, the kabuki would literally be like halfway up the stage, covering the poor cast on the slab in the middle. Well, of it the would stage. reveal Romeo and Juliet before the show. Yeah, we had to put this string across, right? Between so then it was one, like yeah, yeah. up the string, but it did kind of make it look like a curtain, so it was okay. And then we would have what we had one of the crew like pulling the string across at, at clearance. They were like, yeah. and they had to get the string across before the kabuki fell so that they could like lift it up. But yeah, the difference that just the auditorium, like with doors being open and the audience being in, the difference that that made to like the flying pieces on that show were just ridiculous. I think it's one of the things, and it's the challenges of moving to a different venue, whether that's weekly, oh, yeah. bi-weekly, Absolutely. whatever, the differences between venues it changes venue to venue and show to show like you could take one show in and have absolutely no issues whatsoever and then you come in with another show and the it like I think it's incredible how something is almost insignificant in a sense obviously it's not but insignificant as airflow in a building can make such a massive impact on the show and the set. And uh, well, to be fair, I know we, we kind of before we started this, we said we don't really want to talk about COVID and not don't want to go into a COVID tangent. But <laughs> no, but it's really interesting actually. And if you think about COVID, the amount of like the health and safety stuff with especially the theatres that were lucky enough to open for a little bit, and obviously now it's they're not, but they have to close. But the, mm-hmm. the, the actual thing about airflow with COVID and how important that is about having the right kind yeah. of air conditioning actually does actually improve that. You know, make, if you think about it, actually, it makes you think, shit, yeah, yeah, airflow in a theatre changes so much. I mean, mm-hmm. even like if you think about Hazer, the, the difference in if certain doors are open, just naturally it will flow in a different way and it doesn't look as, as it should do. And it's very difficult, to, obviously, to, to control. To control, yeah. And that's but, why you, you guys use fans, though, isn't it, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, also, to dis- like, obviously, to disperse it, but directionally as well. Certainly. Um, I know some designers, have, you know, like to have the hazer facing the wall, but then so it hits the wall and then the fans blow it on so it looks nicer when it comes on stage. But, um, you know, in a lot of touring venues, it's very difficult to get right. And, you know, it does actually take two or three days, two or three shows, actually, to, to, to work out what is the best way in each venue. Whereas if you're if you're in the West End, I guess once you've got the right idea, you've, you've nailed it. Yeah. You know it's going to be like that for the rest of the time. But on tour, when you're changing every venue, there is so many challenges. I mean, when I walk into a venue, I say with CO2, you kind of work, you kind of think, first thing is, ooh, are we going to have an alarm? Is it going to be, a, is it a well-ventilated pit? Is it um, yeah. going to be fine? Or when you look at the hazer, is the haze going to be normal? Or is it all going to blow, you know, look like it's all kind of building up stage left for no apparent reason, because you kind of sound <laughs> absolutely normal in this room. Why is it moving there? But of course it's airflow and it's, and it's whatever systems they've got as, you know, heating systems and if doors are left open and it just varies so much from, from venue to venue it's in, and you kind of almost spend the first couple of days just work trying to work out how to neutralize it and make it as it should be and it's very difficult 
And then, of course, a spanner gets thrown in the works and suddenly three days in, it just decides to do the exact opposite. And you're just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know I, I don't know how to help that. Like, it's now all going stage right. Why? There's no reason why it is, but... Sorry, it's just, we're not seeing this next scene. It's just, it's... <laughs> yeah, you're literally just like, what? I mean, obviously, Hayes is not... Hayes is very important for lighting, but so it's not, you know, I don't think anyone's actually taking the audience going, oh, that's weird, that looks a bit strange. But you kind of have to think... See, like, those theatres that have just got a thousand doors. So, like, well, maybe not doors, but, like, entrances and exits, in a sense. So, like, Nottingham. You know, Nottingham's really awkwardly... I mean, it's awkwardly shaped, but then there's, like, doors everywhere on the stage for some reason. Which Nottingham? The... Theatre Royal. Theatre Royal, uh uh-huh. Not the Concert Hall. I've never actually been there. Have you not? Um, Oh, you were off, Silla, by the time we went there. No, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd moved I on. Think. The challenge oh, with Nottingham Theatre Royal is that is, so it looks like there used to be a room, but then the dock carries on stage right that's all raked. Ah, so everything like kind of flows dock. into that and fills that. And there's a massive space upstage, which is kind of a big opening of wall, which looks like an it's old dock raked. door. So it's but like... It just disappears up into it. Yeah, ah. it's... And then there's like a door kind of half... So there's like a door at the back of the stage... Even though there's then like all it's this, almost like the, like, yeah, it's and then there's so, like two random other doors. Oh, it's just a bit of a nightmare. So I can imagine he's wise for you guys. That would be pretty hectic. I can't believe you've never done the Theatre Royal. That's I mean, Have you always done the concert? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to say, it was the venue. Was, it was the venue I was meant to be going to next. Um, was the concert hall again? Um, that was after right. COVID obviously struck. Um, but the, I have to say. Uh, the one thing I love about that setup in Nottingham is I just love listening to the other shows' calls because uh, it's all the same, isn't it? It's a joint backstage, and I think it's like kind of floor one is for the concert, yeah. floor two is for the. Um, uh, it's one of those like half floor venues type thing. Yeah, you can actually like, share it. It's a really lovely way of actually, you know, I walk in and it's like your five minute call. And I'm like, wait, really? And then it's like, oh no, no. And the DSM's turning around me and like it's a five minute call for. I think I was there with legally blocked. Like you have to when when you're in Nottingham, you have to say what show you're doing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So you were there with Scylla. Warhorse were there, and Warhorse. I think I don't think they, they. I think they went up at eight, and we went up at obviously we went up at half seven. I think they stand they up at eight. They don't. They don't have them at the same time because otherwise. Yeah. I want to say the concert hall generally. comes, like the backstage calls would just be all at the same time. Because all the times that I've been there, it's been two theatre shows that I've been in both. Was there anything there when we were with? It was gigs, wasn't it, when we were there with Romeo and Juliet? I don't think there was another theatre show in. Or was it? I think it was like comedy one nighters and stuff that were in there. So uh, okay, because okay. we nicked that to stick a truck out there for the loading. Oh yeah, we were able to. Uh, we were able to do that because they literally had like a van, wasn't it? They literally had like a tar- Yeah, it wasn't, in the- and they were done That's- by like ha- by like a- half ten or whatever. So we uh-huh. were like, sweet, let's get another truck up the street. Well, that's, that's- the thing though. In the Theatre Royal, Freddie, the like when you're on the concert hall side, I think you're. In a better position, truck wise. Uh, well, weirdly, with the trucks in the console, it's quite a fun, quite a funny story, I guess. Um, I was doing a lowdown. It was it was about four four in the morning, and um, I think it's one truck on the door normally, but the tram stops in Nottingham. Um, yeah, yeah, it's because you're on the tram right tracks. Outside the dock door. But outside the dock door, and I and, and one, <laughs> one of the boys there said, "Well, actually, we could get this. We could get this in because the first tram's not till six thirty. And I went, "Okay, perfect. Let's get it in." 
So I loaded, started loading the LX truck and it was all going very well. All loading very, very quickly. And one of them turned around, you know, they kept being like, are we going to make it? Because we're really in trouble if it, if it goes wrong. And I said, no, it's fine. Perhaps, you know, I'm 10 minutes away from finishing this truck. And I was, I wasn't even Did the trams not have brakes? What? No, the, the trams weren't running until, until 6.30 in the morning. So we were right. fine. But of course, the one thing we all forgot was there might be the, the tram, the first trams at 6.30. But what if that tram needs to get to the other end of the track? That's where it lives. So at 5.30 in the morning, it was an empty tram, not in service tram, but trying to get to the start of his journey. Oh, no. And very, very luckily, I'd... Is as I close the doors. So I close the doors on the truck and went. Oh, because that's a good cheap LX and he gets everything done on. No, it was really, really lucky. And I had no idea. I just heard this beeping and it was a tram being like, Can you move out of my way? And I was literally like, Oh my God. And the I don't was, drive trucks. I can't even. <laughs> I just them. back them. <laughs> I can literally. Oh, so they're luckily, chilling, luckily, we finished it. And I was like, right, close the doors, get rid of that truck now. And I just completely forgot. I don't if nothing's, if I've missed half of the fucking cases that are meant to be on it, get it to Get off. rid of it. But I, <laughs> we'd all just gone, oh, well, there's no first tram to 6.30, completely forgetting that actually the depot where they start, obviously they might need to drive to the other end. The so end. I'm going in both directions. So luckily the tram was held up for about two minutes, I think, until the, luckily we had a very good Matthews driver who, uh, Got straight in the cab and said, you happy with this? And just got it straight out and uh, and got rid of it. So it was not a problem in the end. But it was, I was just like, that could have gone drastically wrong. If we were half a through the truck back, we'd have been in, in, well, been in a bit of trouble. I don't know what we would have done. We had to just somehow move <laughs> And just been like, uh... We'll get a coffee, mate. Because this isn't moving for another good... <laughs> we were very lucky and then the, and the tram managed to get away. So it was fine. Do you use Matthews? Sorry? We use Matthews, yeah, we use Matthews. Ah. And, um, and actually, the one thing about, I love about Nottingham as well is the difference it, um, I feel like it, once you've done Nottingham, every DSM just seems to always still repeat the show they're doing, even though you're the only show in the venue. It's like, there's so many DSMs I've worked with. Oh, just to make sure that everybody knows. That everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, have I forgotten I'm on this show? Because they always go, it's your five-minute call, and some, well, not all of them, but some of them go, it's your five-minute call for, and then name the show. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm now in Southampton or Plymouth, and there's only one, well, actually, Plymouth's a bad example because there's two theatres there. But <laughs> there's only one show here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's only one show here. You don't just tell me which show I'm on. I, oh, I'm no, it's, it's like York. Um, in York, you need to do, you need to fucking, there's no back-of-house call system. So you need to Get run running. around chatting all the dressing rooms? Oh, with a bell? <laughs> oh, well, no, I didn't go with a bell. I've got a foghorn for a mouth. So I was just like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I need off our call. Thank you very much. you just like, literally, but there's only one floor of dressing rooms anyway, so it doesn't take you very long, but you do need to run up and down the stairs doing it. Do you worse. know what I mean? Could you imagine somewhere like Sadler's? Running oh, up to no. like second wardrobe not. on like the second like, floor. Four floors or something like that. Absolutely yeah, not. massive. Or the or the theatre like seeing Dublin. Oh my God, the amount of stairs in Dublin is just. I mean, they've got a lift. They've got a lift for a reason. But I mean, but after yeah. half though, you're in trouble. Sure, Edinburgh, Edinburgh Playhouse and stairs, mate. <laughs> well, even I had an arse like Kim K after a week down there. I tell you now, <laughs> I swear to God, up and down 19 million flights of stairs every week. I was like, damn. So I was in the build a theatre into the side of a hill. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Wh whose idea was that, huh? 
It's been there a while, let's put it that way. I do love it there, though, and they have a ghost lamp. Do you know what I mean? Is that Frank Mitchin? Uh, I think it is a Frank Mitchin. <laughs> Whose idea was that? The greatest designer. I don't the greatest theatre designer of all time. Putting a theatre in a hill was a good idea. So we're just talking general differences of, like, different theatres and how the massive amount of challenges, even down to difference between two theatres in the same city, Playhouse in Edinburgh and Festival in Edinburgh. Uh, oh, I don't think you, you could, you'd struggle to find two completely different theatres in the same place, but can host a UK yeah. number one touring show, either of them. Um, but yeah. I think there are definitely, we face challenges in theatre that very few other people would ever come across. I think if you think of a loadout at Newcastle Theatre Royal, on the street with yes. everyone ha- enjoying this and I'll night. tell you Cal, Cal, I will tell you right now a loadout at the Newcastle Theatre Royal and Freddie will back me up on this is the exact same as a loadout at the Kings in Glasgow Okay, Freddie would you agree it's exactly the same you get people oh, random guys helping you up the ramp with his flight case to which you, in my in my case, I think it's somebody from the crew helping me out, and I turn around. It's two drunk people being like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Okay, thank you," but also get off the fucking truck. In Glasgow, <laughs> in Glasgow, in Glasgow do, you, do you have to have security? Because I think Newcastle have got security now. I think that the last yeah. no, well, we didn't have security. I mean, I've not been a casy there for a while. Yeah. I've not been a casy there for a while, so I'm not exactly. 100% sure but we've never had security because I feel like all of us crew acted as yeah, security yeah well that's true I have to, the, two, the two things you do, definitely do have common Glasgow and Newcastle is how lovely everyone is I mean I don't think I actually I found people who have, um, who have not been lovely everyone's very very welcoming very very lovely especially but the Newcastle crew and, and the Glasgow crew especially I mean I can name loads more I mean Stoke are just the, uh, lovely Oh, so stock. Oh, stock. I love the boys in stock. <laughs> but I think the, the basic, luckily, is really, really good, and everyone's lovely. But I think those three really stand out. And I think that, yeah, Newcastle for me, it's Newcastle. Newcastle are my boys, man. Just, Obviously, Glasgow, but I can't really say that because I'm biased. But Newcastle, it's no surprise so that's my home. If you walk when you walk into the Newcastle stage door, uh, by the lift there, they have all of their awards and they've been given like so many awards for, like they've been voted the, I don't know what, is it not is it what's on stage like it's what's not like stage? the friendliest yeah. I know what you're talking about though. they have like the best like most friendly most welcoming crew and they've won it literally yeah. 60, 70, best 80, stage door in like best green room area it's all those kind of things which they do have like the Newcastle Theatre Royal is by far my favourite touring venue like every time I'm going there I'm absolutely buzzing but they're just a really, really lovely bunch. And I mean, as I said, most... Even though it's an awkward venue. It is. Well, it couldn't be much more awkward. <laughs> exactly. It's an awkward venue, but it so makes the crew make it. And that's what's really weird, is that Stoke, Glasgow and Newcastle, all three of them, are very awkward venues to go into. And it's like the crew kind of already know, they know that, so they're kind of like just so so lovely the whole time right this is my number one for anybody who is like a first time tourer or i don't know just listening for the bands right always 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 ask your crew like ask the locals what how so see like things like 
taking stuff off a wagon, right? So you can, what to do, suggest to them what you would, what you, previous crews have done, what you would suggest, maybe using strops to lift something. Usually we do it like this, but always listen to your local crew as they, I promise you, they will know far better than you will how it works for them and how to get it into their venue. And if it's awkward, if it's difficult, whatever, they will know, like just ask them and just trust them and just go with what they want because one, you've got to, they've got, you've got to have them working for you all day. So you've got to keep them happy. But two also, they're going to know their venue better than you do. Of course they do. They do it every week. We are not there every week. We're there for one week. Of but I also think the one, the one thing you've got to remember as well though, and I totally agree with you there. The other thing you, 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 you people have got to respect, and I think that actually maybe, you know, advice for someone who's new coming into the industry would be, A, obviously exactly what you've just said, but also more importantly, some of the, you know, a lot of these people have been there, done it. They've been on tour. Oh, I absolutely—they are veterans, and that is who you want to learn from. And they're literally—they know everything about it. They've been there, done that, um, and, yeah. and they are decided that actually they just—they don't want to be on the road anymore. So instead, they've just, mm-hmm. you know, bought a lovely house. And now they're part been, of the furniture in that theatre, yeah. and they are—they basically run it. Because but they also know, and, and uh, you know, they know a lot more than you do. Uh-huh, they don't look down on you, but you certainly don't look down on them. And I think that oh, absolutely not. And you never ever be scared to just say, oh, oh. "How do you guys want to do this?" Or is there a better way we could do this? Or blah 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 blah. Because one main thing you learn from it, and the second thing is, it's going to make everyone's life a hell of a lot easier. There's no no substitute for experience when it comes to this industry. You learn absolutely. always learning. And they are so experienced, you know, so mm-hmm. many. Uh, Sickeningly experienced. Like, like the things I learned from local crews, honestly, the things I learned from local crews, like I could rhyme them off, right? JC in Glasgow, Shane and Davey in Newcastle, we Tony in Plymouth, like honest to God, Andy and the boys at the, and Cookie at the Lowry, like every time I go back, I learn something new off of them because they are absolute veterans at what they do. They know it inside out, back to front. They've been on the road. They've been there. They've done it. And they've always got suggestions. And you literally just need to be a sponge and like soak that info up and then use it again. And then you'll find yourself using it again in a different venue or maybe somewhere that you think, okay, this is similar. This is a similar situation we've had before. We can use this that I've learned from such and such. Do you know what I mean? It's a, oh, it's absolutely imperative, like, to your learning, I think. Absolutely. And I think that, like, getting time with all these guys. Yeah. And, and, sorry, go on. No, carry on. I'm done with my time, okay? Now you can talk, <laughs> Freddie. Hey, Cal, Cal, say what you're going to say. <laughs> no, carry on, please. Me. Oh, I think we're all waiting for each other here. This is hilarious. Um, you go, you go. <laughs> <laughs> off the script. Always. Well, technically, we haven't got a script. We're just merging everything into one conversation, which is great. So it kind of brings me on to a point that I've put in the kind of question stuff at the start, which is obviously about ways and stuff into the industry and kind of um, 
have I've had a couple of discussions with various people of the people's idea that you need that of the need for a degree um and kind of that do you need one or do you not is it it's university versus experience personally for me uni was not like very helpful in my sense okay however I because my like the actual course itself the people who were teaching us and such and such hadn't actually really worked in theatre at all so for me I I was like nah I learned so much more and and about it like practical learning but I am a practical learner so I don't I can't really speak for everyone in that sense I don't think you need a degree to do what we do. I think most of it is hands-on experience and the best people, like the best people at the jobs come from kind of homegrown, like you just learn on the job. And I don't know what drama school's like because I didn't go, but I feel like no matter what you do in a textbook, you cannot, like for what we do, you can't learn that in a book. You can't. You have to be in about it. You have to literally be doing the hands-on work and learning off of these men that were like, I say men, sorry, people. These people who we were just speaking about now. What are you all laughing <laughs> for? <laughs> well, if you want. Nah, majority of the time it's older guys. Sometimes there's women. I'm not going to like... I think Cal it was a realisation moment for Freddie and I then that it is very true that it is mostly men in the- well, yeah, it's a male-dominated industry. So all you gals out there, get in about it, because I've been in about it for a few years now, and it's bang on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, personally, I think uni is not a must. I think it's all about the practical side of it, because the more you get practical, hands-on experience with it, is the, the better you become at it. You can't learn this shit in a book. Um, that's it. There's no two ways about it. You can't fucking learn it in a book. That's it. You can't, you need to be in about it, doing it, doing shows and all that and just getting stuck in. I think that, I mean, I have to go, I mean, my, my way into, into the industry is I, at university, I went to Leeds University and I studied politics, which I mean, I don't know, I've never used it in my life, but. Ooh, politics, <laughs> friends. But Ooh, of, politics, instead, of, uni. instead of actually studying politics, I spent my whole time in a theatre there, and then we had there was an amazing society um, at Leeds University, and it's still still going. It's backstage society, and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I know that um, I think Bristol have 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 a kind of similar thing, but not every university has one, and a lot of them actually just rely on one or two people to kind of do it. But we had a full society, which ended up being lucky enough. I was I helped run when I was there, but we would do everything, and it it was from start to finish. We'd be given a budget of I don't know, let's say, you know, £3,000 to do a show and we would do lighting, sound, set, everything and we'd have a, you know, I put up, for example, I would production manage a show and it'd be my job to then I'll do what normal production manager in, you know, in our actual world would do, which is allocate who gets what money and just oversee everything. And, and I think that, I do agree with the hands-on experience. And saying that, I've worked with so many people who have who are fantastic and who have been to drama school so I don't know if there's a right answer to either or but I think the overall answer is it's all you are right about experience experience is the most important thing whether you get that experience from a drama school or whether you get that experience from a uni, normal university well, you get yeah, that experience from of course. the church hall where 
you're happy just to, you know, you're, you're yeah. doing the lighting for your the, the local Andram. I don't think it matters. I think just the overall thing. That no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Yeah. Of course, like, I think uh, experience, regardless of where it is or whatever, experience is definitely on the card. So, you, so you're saying you had a £3,000 budget for shows? Uh, certain shows, we had about three grand. Some, obviously, right. some... Okay, one. so our, our, I'm just going to, just to put it in perspective a little bit, right? So that's un- incredible that you had that. And that, for a for a show in the grand scheme of things, isn't a very big budget, is it? No, no it's absolutely tiny. But- no. So our, so our uni, let me, just to put it in perspective, right? At my uni, the budget that we would get would be about £500. So if if even that, so we had to like beg, borrow, steal, do all that stuff, which is fine, you do that. And that's kind of the fun of it. But that's because, well, when we weren't a society, that was an actual course, shall we say. But that's also, I think, one of the good parts about it is that you learn that you, like, see the the things, even the, the little things that seem little but aren't in the, in an actual show are like props and things. You would beg, borrow, steal props, yeah. right? But they have to be to the time period. They have to fit in all this, all these different ways. So you do, it, it completely allows you to like have your creative juices flowing and have to kind of, well, yeah, be, res- be resourceful as such to, um, I can't find my words. No. To yeah, to be resourceful in order to put a show on, like that's pretty much it. But you get like you, that's amazing that you had a society and there were so many people involved because you had quite a lot of people, didn't you? So we well, I think our society uh, we had about sixty people uh, who were members, and our membership was five pound a year. We weren't making any money in the society, but we weren't. We weren't. The thing that was brilliant was that we weren't spending. You know, what we did as a society was, I think we took something like 10%, I don't know, 5% of ticket sales for the show. So it was actually the performance societies, which are big universities, obviously extremely popular. A lot of people love acting and they have massive societies who are all paying membership and then they do their shows and, and, and then they sell tickets. And actually it's entertainment for the rest of the university. I mean, uh, Legion University Union, where, where we had our theatre, was was absolutely buzzing. So yeah. you'd sell out and actually you sell out 300 seats 400 seats at six quid actually you can afford to 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 put on these kind of big shows and the show would obviously pay for the next one and so we did have um a good amount of money to play with when we needed to but we were doing it properly so we had you know i think every time i production managed one i you know it was as, as a lampy for me in my head i'm like oh god 800 quid is already straight to sound because we need to get eight radio mics for this show and that's how much it costs for a hire for a week and you know, even and then we were very lucky we had very good relationships with two amazing companies in Leeds um one lighting company and one um um uh they did set but mainly sound company but they did a bit of set as well and so we'd get really good deals and they would I think actually because both pe- we had contacts with both both companies who had people who were ex-students who had got into the industry as they did 
through doing what we did. So the owner of, of Zigzag, uh, which is the lighting company in Leeds, um, used to go, used to be backstage and he kind of created it all from, from that. And he just has an absolute love for it. So he was so generous of what he used to get us. He basically just kind of effectively said to us, look, I know you've got a really small budget, but if it's not, can I just give you whatever's not, you know, if it's left on the shelf, I'd rather it be with you guys. You guys have it. It was yeah. so lovely because he... I had, a, I had a similar thing with her. Um, so w- before I went into theatre, I obviously done like rock and roll lighting and stuff like that for a bit. Uh, um, SM lighting. And I was very lucky in that sense that when when I was at uni, I would also, I would just use Scott um, and he would let, let me, whatever wasn't going out on gigs, he would just let me have free range of and I could just use whatever I needed for our uni shows and things like that, which was absolutely ideal for us. So similar things. And that's it makes such a difference not having to budget that in. There's so many people out there who make such an effort to give back to young people trying to start up and do it. Yeah. And it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I know I know the big the big companies like PRG, White Light and Autograph, all those, you know, the ones that everyone uses, they yeah. all have like I know that I'm pretty sure they all have like schemes of trying to, you know, they do their bit because uh-huh. almost like apprentices yeah well there are, there are loads they, most of them do run an apprenticeship scheme or most of them will run an apprenticeship scheme to get into that and then normally leads to <clears throat> some form of employment with them afterwards yeah. Um, yeah so it's and that's that's how I got into the industry like I started out and um, I done my work experience at a lighting company um, in Glasgow, SM Lighting, Mr. Scott Monroe, Scotty always Monroe. be my boss, man. Aaron, Aaron, Scott Monroe, Aaron, what am I? Aaron, what you're actually telling me is that you are a, a lamp. Lampy at heart. Oh, <laughs> no, don't tell anyone. You <laughs> said it probably on a, on a podcast that you're a lamp. Oh, am I cutting that out? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a chippy. I'm a chippy now. I'm a chippy slash. Oh, hey, this oh, is going slash. over to Wookie, Dylan. Management. Don't, <laughs> no, don't tell me. Don't, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Do not tell They're not going to let you touch anything. They're going to be absolutely disgusted with you. <laughs> well, I'm not a lampy anymore, okay? I'm not a lampy anymore. Not- I bend. I bend. Two parkans from my room the other day. I bend Why? Them. Why? What? Well, I was going to turn them into lamps like literally a million years ago, and then ever since then they've just sat in my room. But what used to have for two parkans now? Turn them into lamps. Yeah, I was going to turn them into lamps, but now I'm not. Only being a chippy, putting them on a stand is the easy bit. I like wood and automation and stage management, okay? No, I like it all. This is why I'm a tech swing, because I like it all. But no, sorry, I went off on a tangent <laughs> again. I started out doing work experience at school, worked for a rock and roll company. I'd done Tea, tea in the Park. I'd done the Battlelands. I was doing gigs here and there. Then I ended up in theatre. But what was my point to this story? Well, then you met me, Aaron. Oh, and then I met Freddie and my life was ruined from then on. <laughs> I think it's, I think the big... <laughs> you need another haircut, by the way. Do I need to come down to London and cut your hair? Because yeah, I clearly need a haircut. Get it cut. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Christ. Oh, it's loud with theatre. Theatre. 
I'll say that, that's fine. I think my biggest issue with, with theatre being closed is that I'm I'm used to just getting um, asking very nice I think just get the wig asking the head of wigs with a bottle of wine is a kind of as a prize to cut my hair and they've always done it and they've always done a very yeah, good me and that's unfortunately <laughs> since March I haven't had any wigs so unfortunately when I saw her no, I say unfortunately she did a very good job when I saw her in when we were allowed to in August before everything went you know cracked down again Erin uh, did cut my Erin yeah. did cut my hair I have to say and she did a very good job. Like so maybe you know your tech swing could could roll into being into a wig wigs and wardrobe yes I would love to do wigs and wardrobe, but I mean, I dressed for a while. I was a dresser when I was a Kazi. I mean, it was fun. Dressed for a while. Also, what? Naked the rest of the time. <laughs> You're so funny. No, shall I just tell everyone about the amount of times I have to dress you or undress you and put you in your pajamas? No, will we? We'll just leave that out, shall we? Let's cut that out. This bit's we'll totally carnage. That. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest point out of all of that that we kind of touched on was that everyone kind of started out somewhere so as you kind of make your way you always feel like that you're not duty bound but you always feel like you want to give back to someone and give them and be that person that gives them the chance or their oh, opportunity this is why this is why I see when like work experience people come in when we're on tour I'm always like give them to me give them to me because I remember being that little, like, be, I say little, sorry, that was condescending. That's not what I meant. I remember first time going into theatre and my eyes were just, like, as big as my head. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And see, seeing that look on people's faces when they come in, I'm just like, this is incredible because you're just as starstruck as I was. Yeah. And you want to learn. And I absolutely love it. And I'm like, coming, and although they probably go away from it thinking, who was that crazy Scottish woman that they've just. I didn't understand half of what she said. For, for three hours, and I don't know what she was saying, and I don't know what, blah, 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 whatever. Like, I still, I really, really love like passing on everything that I've learned so far because I'm by no, by absolutely no means a veteran at this yet. Like, Gosh, I've only been touring like four, four years, three years, four years, three or four years. So I'm by no means a veteran, but I already, I'm like, I can't wait to like pass on all my knowledge. Even though I don't have that much of it yet, I can't wait to pass on all my knowledge to like youngsters who are up for it and really want to learn about it all. I think, it's, I really I think we all have a passion to work in this industry. And I think at times it gets oh you wouldn't do it yeah. if you didn't have a passion and i think that gets a little bit misconstrued that the arts is a hobby because we all go do yeah. stupid hours and do and put everything into it and it essentially takes over our lives which it does uh-huh. and everything centers around that that it kind of people go oh well you work in theater and just automatically associate it with certain things and i think like you said having that passion you have to have it i think to work in industry i don't know anyone really who's in the industry well, I don't know anyone in the industry who doesn't have a passion for it in some shape or form, whatever that may be, whether it's... Yeah, you don't, you don't do it if you don't love it because what you wouldn't. I'm sorry, but, but I think, I think the, the, the amount of time you're away from home, you just wouldn't do it if you didn't love it, would you? But even if you, even if you work in town, I think you just wouldn't do it if you love it because, you know, everyone else in town, everyone else and, you know, most of your other friends, I would say, you know, work nine to five or, you know, eight to six, or whatever they're doing yeah six o'clock they just go home that's when you're starting work 
you know, you know, the social aspect actually is weird coming out of a theatre at 10.30, 11 and 8pm. And then it's like, that's when your social life kind of start. But I think the most important thing yeah. I would say, and, and, and my mum works in theatre as well. Um, and one thing she said to me when she was re- when I was really young, and that's always stuck by me. And I think absolutely true. And I think that most of you listening to this, you work in theatre would, would feel the same. Is She said, the moment I do not feel nervous before a show and when i say nervous i don't mean like oh i'm really really nervous it's like you get on first night but no but you time. you've got that yeah the buzz. the buzz that we all know the moment i yeah. don't feel that buzz before a show is the moment i will leave the industry and retire or or um yeah just not do it anymore because it means you don't care anymore and it doesn't matter what show I do, when that overture goes bam or yeah. i know it's lxq1 I feel that rush every night still. And oh, the, the adrenaline is, we, we are adrenaline junkies in a small form. Do you know what I mean? I think, so I yeah, think, some people would call it pressure, but it's not pressure. It's not the pressure that we feel. It, that, no, it's not. It it's the, not even pressure. Yeah. It's, it is. It's adrenaline. It's complete adrenaline. And I, I completely agree with your mum in that sense. The moment I don't feel that anymore is probably when I will give it up. But I think that... that that but is the best that is, that's, I'm addicted to it. I'm absolutely addicted to that feeling. Absolutely. And I think that that would be, you know, the best advice I can give anyone coming up in the industry is, look, it's long hours, unsociable hours. If someone's yeah. tall, as we are, oh, we have been. Um, yeah, you'll have FOMO for the rest right. of your life if you're going to You're missing out on everything at you're, home, but... If you love it, it doesn't matter. If, you, if you're working in the West End, you, yeah, you can join people for drinks at 11 o'clock at night or you can go to someone's, you know, someone's birthday at 11 o'clock, but you ain't going at seven when everyone else is going out for dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. But if you get that rush and you love that rush, then there's nothing better. And it's yeah. a no-brainer. And everyone just, and, and there, but if you don't have that rush, it means you don't care. I know it's not really bad, but I feel like you don't, no, you don't. I, I, completely thing, agree. But I think you're not what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I think you just don't. It might not be the industry for you. You don't have. You need to care so much that you know if something goes wrong on the show, you can't just go around and be like, "Oh, there's another one tomorrow. It's fine." You've actually, you know, you've got to. Care. No, that's not. That's absolutely not. It's. It's. It doesn't matter about tomorrow. It's well, every, why every every performance is you know the same. It doesn't matter if the queen was in it wouldn't make a difference because absolutely not i all yeah. i care about is the fact that we've got a thousand people out there potentially you know we'll see it depends on the venue but yeah so you've got a thousand people out there paying x amount of money it's their hard-earned money which they've worked very hard to do and they want some entertainment there is no excuse yeah. for it not going right if it goes wrong obviously things do go wrong but we don't want it to and i care equally whether Queen Elizabeth II was sat out there watching it when it went wrong, or whether Nobody. James from Slough was out there watching it. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me because they're both black. James from Slough probably bought his ticket, whereas the Queen wouldn't have bought, bought her ticket. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. These guys need entertainment, and that is our jobs, and that's what we do, and it's fun. Exactly. We entertain, we entertain and we make it look good. And this is the thing. It might seem like, I know it seems like a hobby to people, but it's so not, isn't it? It's so not. I love it though. 
See the like I know for a fact I am gonna be bawling my eyes out the minute I step foot on a stage. Absolutely. I don't I don't know when it's gonna be, I don't know where it's gonna be, but I am going to be bawling my fucking eyes out. I, I am because I want nothing more than to start a fucking fit up at eight in the morning, even an eight o'clock start. Mate, give me an overnight loading. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> give me an overnight loading. I'll go do it now. Aye, do you know what? I'll I'll start whenever. I will never moan about a loadout. I'll never moan about anything ever again. I just want to be on a stage. Absolutely. Putting a fucking. I am. I am slightly worried for myself when uh, when that first note of an overture goes. That I might just burst into tears when we do it. And I, oh no! I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be crying Mate, my eyes out. Get the plastics out on the lighting desk. Yeah. Get the waterproof. Yeah. Out. Oh, and XQT is not happening because they're just in ball. Fall on the floor. I think that's the thing, there. and I think it's something that unless you're in the industry, people don't get. And I think for a lot of people that you get a lot of people who do it at school, who do it as kind of an amdram hobby and stuff like that. And there aren't many. It's a small industry. There aren't a huge amount of people in it, and everyone knows everyone. So actually, it's kind yeah. of it's. There aren't some people don't know people who work in it, and I mean, Gaz in a previous podcast explained it as that we're the magical theatre pixies who make it all happen. That people don't realise that oh yeah, of course Are they kind of oh yeah, all that does have to happen, and you're like, yep, that's what I do, and you're never going to see me. But the whole point of it is that if we if like if we fuck up, then yes, you might see us or you notice something. But the whole point of it really is that you don't notice us. Do you know what I mean? So we are technically fairies in that sense. And I'm gonna that's gonna be my claim. <laughs> I, am, I am Tinkerbell. I need applause to live, right? Is that this what it is? is. Okay. I'm not even a fucking cast member. I need applause to live. And yeah, like we don't we're not visible, and that's the whole point of it, is that you don't see us. But that's what I love. And the adrenaline. Oh, I miss it. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to actually bawl my eyes out the minute I step foot on a stage. It's going to be emotional for everyone. And open at night and whatever show I'm next on, I swear to God. <laughs> Until I go to tip that Freddy, first case and then I realise I can't list it. I just think the one the thing what? is it's going to be that first note of the overture. I think yeah. that's not going to make me feel sad. What's going to make me feel a bit emotional is I just know that the audience are going to go ballistic. And that's yeah, the, it's going to be mental. It's going to be the bit that goes, Jesus, that's really, really hit me. I mean, I was very lucky enough to win. I saw yeah. Christmas Carol last week, which is fantastic. And unfortunately, obviously, it's now closed, which is really, really shit. And that was really lovely to be in a theatre again. And the curtain call was brilliant. And, and But it's a Christmas Carol, which is a very, obviously, it's a fantastic piece of work and, and Brian Connolly was on the oh did you go and see it yeah, yeah it was absolutely brilliant did your mum go yeah me and my mother um and Ollie, Ollie went but um sorry oh nice. Ollie, Ollie lives in my house as well so it's three of us went we were, it was yeah uh, and uh and we were and it was unbelievable and it was a brilliant it was so nice to be back in the theatre but because it was Christmas Carol not a big musical or not a ballet you know it 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 was a fantastic piece of theatre because it's a play, it's a bit more like... But did it just not give you that thing? It absolutely did, and everyone went mad at the end. But it's not like... 
doing going to a musical where everyone's stood up at the end and going absolutely ballistic because they're all singing along and dancing. You know, it's a very different show. What, uh, or what a night? Yeah, it's not. It's not Jersey. Oh, what a night! It's not Abbott. It's not. You know, any of those massive shows know. Yeah. where they have a massive ending number. But it was amazing to be back in the theatre. It was so safe. And that's what really has annoyed me in the last week because I've never, I felt 10 times more safe at that theatre. And that's a credit to NIMAX because, uh, yeah. but, but no, obviously, Nico Burns and NIMAX have done that and all their theatres. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's a Dominion night, I don't even know. but well, credit to Dominion, because there's a Dominion. But all of these producers who have, like, made it COVID safe, it felt so bloody safe. Like... Obviously, everyone gets asked the same two questions. Erin, you have already answered these, but now you've got notes. Have, you have got um, notes, so I feel like you might have I've some got uh, I've got better notes. answers this time. And it's quite interesting. Cheeky <laughs> <laughs> I mean, however, you're not the only one to have to say post-show curry. I'm just throwing that out there. I've had other people on Hell other no, podcasts say that. Because everybody loves post-show curry. Who doesn't? Papa Dom's, mango chutney, spicy <laughs> onions. So, now, give me it all. So, first question, um, I do that, and I'm pretty sure this one might not have changed for Erin, but um, dream show or gig that you could work on? What is that one show that's there that that is it you couldn't say no to regardless of what it is or that you wish would happen if it's someone for that that's yeah, yeah. I've already Everyone's really already answered it it's obviously just all the musicals I have to actually say I've been <laughs> so lucky in my career that Freddie's already done his dream musical his dream musical was two dream musicals were Seriously, Mamma Mia and Jersey Boys, and somehow I've managed to do both of them. So I'm. Oh, somehow, yeah. Oh, friend. Thanks, Eric. Uh, no, I'm really, really lucky. Um, they are probably my dream. <laughs> um, I say, I, I guess the one musical I would want to do would be like the original Ghost musical. I remember seeing in the theatre when I was younger and absolutely loved it. So I'd love to be able to do that. But other than potentially as the original ghost like the one with the video screens yeah it was just such yeah production um other than that i think i say i'm so so lucky and i've kind of managed to take off mama mia and jersey boys which are just my two favorite musicals and other than ghost so i kind of i guess that's it i'm just really lucky Moments you wish yeah. it froze. Yes, you are just really <laughs> lucky. Yeah. So, Erin, you're not good. I take it you, unless you want to still go with the same answer that you gave. But, but bear in mind, that is but answer. we're it's barely not really it. Elliot. Okay, but it's on nowhere, is it? You might have already listened to my last one. I'm sorry if you have, but it's barely Elliot. It used to be Wicked, but I don't. I've just got this thing about Wicked that I just don't really want to work on it because I don't don't want to ruin it for myself. Don't want to ruin the magic. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. That like, makes sense. I I adored right. So this is a funny one. I adored Jersey Boys. It was one of my favorite musicals. Like top five, top three, top five, top five. Well, that was a tougher decision. Then I done it for ten. <laughs> well, yeah. Then I. Oh, then I done it. Then I done it for ten months, and then I thought, 
okay, I've done it now. It's not really my favourite anymore. But having two years away from it, I now adore it again and I can listen to it again. So I don't know. Maybe Wicked will be there and there at some point. But I just don't think I want to work on it because I just don't want to ever ruin it for myself. Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. I just, I really, really want to do. I love it. I just absolutely love the show. I've seen it in the West End. I don't know how many times. I just absolutely adore it and I would really like to work on it. And it's got some really sick automation. Question two. Um, what is that uh, go-to post-show snack or thing that you have to have after a show? Our answers have been very varied. Okay, so I'm going to be a weird one here. And I've been literally, I think I've been ostracised by the industry here. <laughs> everyone, and everyone no, calm down Freddie calm down and you wait when they find out and when they actually try what I have doing a loadout they all go that is the best thing <laughs> in the world so I'm a bit weird some people have chocolate so I get a shit ton of salami Rick he's a fucking freak <laughs> he just eats sliced salami usually from Sainsbury's Mostly just whatever corner shop, not corner shop, supermarket shop is closest. But the salami thing freaks me out. I love salami, but on a loadout, absolutely there fucking not. There is nothing better. At three in the morning, this as a pick-me-up, three in the morning, I turn around to my production staff and say, bit of salami, and they go, that's a bit. No, you and fucking weird dog. I don't. And they literally go... That is the best thing I've ever I had. I don't feel like salami is a good pocket no. snack. That in the pocket. Okay. Salami on the on a loadout is perfect. But the, uh, yeah, I would say after a show, first thing I want, pint in the local. Um, what is your pint, Freds? What's your pint? Well, actually, you said Amstel, but actually, my, my go to pint would be Cronenberg. But absolutely oh, yeah, normally what is, if, if Cronenberg is not available, it'd be. All Amstel. right, pipe down dark fruits. <laughs> yeah, is exactly. that yeah? I love a fucking dark fruits or a Guinness. I'm happy with oh, she's trying to put the Guinness. I have a beautiful pint of Guinness or a dark to make fruits. sure it doesn't sound like she just drinks Ribena after a show. Like, <laughs> oh, that's up. Uh, peace, man. Give peace. I'm on the wine these days. Do you know what I mean? But pint wise, Guinness or a dark fruits, and my snack. Can neither of you guess it? After show. Yeah. Pickled Christmas. Monster Munch. Yay! Pickled Onion Monster Munch, baby. Yeah, they're awesome. Woo! That wasn't... Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nothing... Final question, and we've kind of touched on it already, but what's the one thing, uh, one bit of advice that you know now that you wish you'd known starting out that would have made your life a hundred times easier? Okay, I have something, but it's also something that I need to tell myself now. <laughs> but I would also want to I've known it. reiterate yeah. to someone, if that makes sense. So don't get frustrated with yourself that you don't know everything now, because nobody knows everything now. And in this industry, everything is all the technology and absolutely everything is ever changing so do not get frustrated with not knowing everything now because you're never fucking gonna 
so just take your time. You'll surprise yourself at how much you actually learn when you do just absorb what's being taught. Take everything in. And if you mess up, you say my bad. And you call it and that's fine. It doesn't matter because you're learning and just literally absorb everything you can because you will surprise yourself at how much you will then take on from that. But when I was starting out, and even still now, I get really frustrated with myself that I don't know everything already. But of course you're not going to know everything already. Of course you're not. You need to learn. Everybody starts somewhere. Everybody has to learn. But just give yourself that time to learn because if you don't, you're only going to be your like be your own worst enemy in that sense. Because I was really, really bad at not dealing with the fact that I didn't know something like I was like oh my god that's so bad that I don't know that no it's not just just learn it and then you do know it do you know what I mean does that make sense yeah don't be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid and don't be afraid to ask questions exactly do not ever be afraid to ask questions because everyone is happy to answer them everyone's happy to show you another way of doing something if you if one way doesn't work for you there's always 18 million other ways for it to happen and for it to make sense in your head so if one way doesn't work for you just be open to other ideas it's been an absolute i think it's some really good advice and things to kind of end this podcast on it's been an absolute blast chatting to you and hopefully it someone will find it useful yeah guys guys it's been great and best of luck with whatever you've got going on in the near future thank you for listening to the stage is yours podcast want to know more then head over to all of our socials you can find us at stage is yours pod where you can catch a cheeky glimpse at some of our upcoming guests and subscribe to our youtube channel to make sure that you never miss an episode this has been the stage is yours podcast talking all things theater and events until next time